today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear the truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Oh, I'll follow Jesus. What a great thing it is. Jesus to be, you know, present in all my trials and encouragement. But don't ask me to surrender all. Suddenly they become individuals who are serving two masters. And Jesus warned against that, didn't he? No man can serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other. And the problem is, is many times in our life, if we are so bound by the things of this world, the cares, the, the riches, the pleasures of this life, That becomes the primary focus. Many people have been deceived into thinking that they can say a prayer once and live, and then go on living as a heathen and still inherit eternal life. Nothing could be further from the truth. In today's message from Luke chapter 8, Pastor David carefully examines the parable of the sower. From these scriptures, we know that it is only those that produce fruit who will inherit eternal life. Fruitless men and women who profess Jesus, but live exactly how they want to without conviction of sin, will surely be thrown into the fire to be burned. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, The Soil of Evidence. says, Mary, Joanna, and Susanna, many others provided for him from their substance. The one thing we know for those who are true followers of Jesus Christ, they are the ones who support the work of the ministry, even as it says here, from their substance. Large or small, in need or in plenty, a committed believer is committed in every area of their life. Do you realize that when Jesus called you to himself and when you came to faith to receive the forgiveness of your sin, you became part of the body of Christ. He took all of you. He didn't take just a part of you. He took all of you, and he wants all of every aspect of you to be his, to be loyal to him, and to be in service to him. These women, and as it says, many others, I believe that could be both male and female, they gave of their time, their their talents, and their treasures in order that the work of the ministry could continue unhindered, by, by the, the normal and natural physical needs for those that were serving out on that front line. They needed to be fed. How easy that would have been. Jesus could have said, oh, you're hungry? Okay, bam, there it is. Man, we got a, a full meal deal right there in front of you. Why? Because Jesus could speak the words. Could Jesus have done that? Absolutely. Oh, man, my clothes are getting really stinky, Lord. Bam, you're, you're, you're clean. You know, it's washed up. Uh, I've done everything. You know, took out all the stain. You're fine. He could have done it that way, but he didn't. He used normal people just like you and me in service to the work of the kingdom. That continues to amaze me still to this day. 
that God would use normal, everyday people as frail and as incompetent, as as, as stain-filled, as uh, rebellious as I am, he'd still use us. He still is willing and desires to use us. Through the personal sacrifices of all of them, they provided the finances and the service of caring for the Lord, caring for his disciples as they ministered in very direct ways to the multitudes that followed. True followers of Jesus are not selfish or fearful. Let me give that to you again. True disciples of Jesus are not selfish nor are they fearful. Now, does that mean that fear doesn't enter my life? No, no. Fear enters my life. I walk out in a uh, dark alley. Okay, a little flat. Okay, I'm, I want to make sure where I'm at. Uh, but do I live my life in fear? No, I can't. Because I know that God is in charge of my life. It doesn't mean that there's not times that fear will overwhelm me for a moment or a day or whatever it might be because of situations. But when I come to my senses and I surrender that to the Lord, I don't have to live in that fear. Selfishness. As as a believer of Christ, I know that all that I have is His. How can I be selfish in the things that He has given to me to be a steward of in His kingdom? We need to be surrendered to His work. We need to be surrendered to seeing that work of His kingdom spread even to the uttermost parts of the world. It's through faithful stewardship of our lives, lives that have been changed by the gospel, that the gospel continues to go forward to touch the lives of non-believers. And also in order that believers can continually be encouraged and taught the truths and the words of faith. In order that they might grow in that grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this morning a very powerful question. I don't want to see any hands. I don't, I don't want you to respond to me. This is between you and the Lord, okay? If the gospel message and the work of ministry depended upon individuals and families who gave and served just like you give and serve, how strong would the kingdom be? You're getting pretty tacky there, Pastor. If the work of God's kingdom depended upon the faithfulness of individuals and families like you in your faithfulness and dependence, would the kingdom continue to grow or would it have to shrink back? Because there is no Sunday school teachers? Because there's not the ability to be able to reach out in Jesus' name in areas of of, of ministry? If everybody gave and served like you gave, where would the kingdom be? Okay, let's move on. Just file that one back there. Verse 4, chapter 8 of Luke. And when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. 
But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said to them, To to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it's given in parables, seeing that they may see and or may not see, and hearing that they may not understand. He's quoting there from Isaiah chapter 6. More often than not, people see what they want to see, and they understand what they want to understand. More often than not, we, we, can throw, we can throw filters before our minds and our understanding. But I like the fact that, that Jesus here gives great clarity to those that he knew desired to follow him, those that he knew were were desiring to be obedient to his word, and so he gives them the key to this parable. And it's an important part of understanding any of Jesus' parables that the main key or the main point we need to understand. Always look for the main point of the parables, and don't get bogged down in the minutia. Many times I've seen and heard people talk about parables and they take that parable and spin it way out and take it and stretch it to every way possible and suddenly you lose the main focus and the main meaning. Jesus tells them there in verse 11, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. That's the key to this parable. That's the most important thing that we see, that the seed is the word of God. It's not that some of them got ragweed seed and the others got, uh, you know, Kentucky bluegrass seed. It's not that some got uh, weeds and thorn type of seeds and the others got wheat seeds. No, it is the word of God that's going to go out to each of these and listen to what he says. He starts explaining to them about the parable. Verse number 12 gives us the soil, number one. They say this is the parable of the sword, but actually I believe it's the parable of the soils. Soil number one, Luke verse 12 tells us, those by the wayside are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. We, we find a, a, the parallel of this in Matthew's version of the gospel. Keep your place in Luke. We're going to be flipping back and forth from Matthew chapter 13 to Luke 8. So you can follow along. You can see what I'm saying here. But in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 19, Matthew records it this way. Jesus says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is, this is he who received seed by the wayside. Well, what is the wayside? What is this that they're speaking about here? You need to understand how seed was sown during that time. They might plow the entire field up, but when it comes to putting the seed in, they would come primarily with, with a bag on their shoulder with the seed in the bag, and they would reach in by hand, grab a handful of the seed, and scatter it as they walked. And from that, some of the seed would go by the wayside. It's an unplowed uh, area. It's the walking area around the field. Never intended really to grow anything. The seed falls on that. The enemy comes. The devil comes uh, and takes it away from them, and it never even begins to germinate. We live in a country and a culture where the gospel is saturating everywhere. 
We, we can go on the radio station and we can find a multitude of stations that are Christian radio stations. We can go on the television. We can find stel- uh, television programs uh, uh, speaking of the things of Christ, uh, um, uh, the information about the gospel everywhere. We can go into Walmart. We can find Bibles. We can find Christian devotional books. We can go into the grocery store. We can find the same thing. We, in our small little town, we've got over 60 different churches within our town. Now, are all of them preaching the gospel? No, I don't believe so. But still, we've got 60 churches here. We are not searching for the gospel. It's all around us. But you know what? Yet the multitude of people in hearing that, it's simply gone. Why? Because they have no intent of ever receiving it or letting it be a part of their life. Let me move on quickly to soil number two. Soil number two, Luke tells us in verse 13, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy, and these have no root, They who believe for a while, and in a time of temptation, they fall away. Over in Matthew's gospel, verses 20 and 21, we read, but he who received the seed on stony places... This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, and yet he has no root in himself. He endures only for a while, for when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. This is the ground within the field that has rocks underneath. They weren't able to dig them out or hadn't taken the time to dig them out yet. The the seed falls there, but there's very little soil. They get moisture, they get sunlight, boom, they, they begin to, to grow up. But the problem is there's absolutely no root, there's no foundation to it. Hear me this morning, please. There's a move and it's been in our country and in our culture for many decades at this point in time. If I were to come and, and ask you, how many of you want to spend an eternity in hell? There is no doubt that there's not a one that would raise their hand and say, oh yeah, I want to spend an eternity in hell. But if I ask you this morning, how many of you want to spend an eternity in heaven and knowing God for all of eternity? Do you, do you want to spend eternity in heaven? Would you raise your hand? And no doubt all around people would raise their hands. If you want to come, if you want to go to heaven when you pass from this earth, I want you to come down uh, to the front this morning. We're going to pray for you. Is that the gospel? No, but that's the message that's being spread out all over our country and our culture. The choice of heaven or hell, who wouldn't want to go to heaven? But that's not what Jesus asked. What Jesus asked. Are you willing to forsake everything and come and follow me? Are you willing to die daily and come and follow me? Don't be looking back if you're following me, because if you start looking back at your life in the past and craving for that, then you're not even worth following. You see, Jesus didn't give an easy response question. He caused people to consider their lives. What he's speaking about here in this message is, hey, do you want to go to heaven? Yes! Then that means I'm a believer, and suddenly temptations, trials come into my life. Wow, that's not what I signed up for. I signed up for heaven. I didn't sign up for the struggles and the pain and the rejection and the temptation and the trials of this world. You see, many have committed to a false gospel, a shallow gospel, 
a gospel that has no foundation. I believe that that's what they're speaking about here in soil number two. Soil number three, Luke speaks in verse 14. He says, now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they heard, go out and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. Matthew tells us in Matthew 13, 22, says, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful this is the individual who says yes i'll follow jesus as long as it doesn't cost me anything as long as i really don't need to change my lifestyle as long as i don't need to sacrifice in any way oh i'll follow jesus what a great thing it is jesus to be you know present in all my trials to encourage me but don't ask me to surrender all suddenly they become individuals who are serving two masters and jesus warned against that didn't he no man can serve two masters you're going to love one and hate the other and the problem is is many times in our life if we are so bound by the things of this world the cares the the riches the pleasures of this life That becomes the primary focus, rather than saying, you know what, it just doesn't matter. Though he slay me, yet shall I serve him. Though I lose everything, he is my God, my king, I'm going to follow him. But you see, the problem is, is there are many within, yes, the church buildings of today that have come to Christ, but have never come with a true repentance Never come with a true surrender and sacrifice of their lives. That's the third soil. The fourth soil is this. Verse 15 in Luke. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Matthew tells us in chapter 13, verse 23, but he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. We've got four different soils. It's really easy to understand that soil number one, he never made it. He never made it. He heard the word, didn't take it in, nothing there. The, the devil took it away. The evil one took it away from him. There was nothing there. But two of the others, that seed germinated. But what happened to them? They fell quickly. They fell quickly either because there was no foundation in their life and when tribulations came into their life, they said, whoa, I did not sign up for that. I I forget this Christianity thing. You look in the third world right now, you look at people whose lives are being slaughtered, whose heads are being taken off, whose families are being devastated. You know what? There are Christians in the third world who know what it means to become a Christian who know what it means to sacrifice their life for Jesus Christ. The unfortunate thing is, is out of all four of these, I I believe that only that soil number four is a true believer. They're the only ones that show fruit of their lives, that they are a true believer. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't stumble at times. That doesn't mean we don't get distracted at times. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, again, the whole focus of a life. At the end of our days, when we stand before Almighty God, are we going, are we going to be those who were fruitful in our lives, in our Christian life, in the testimony of our lives before Christ, whether it be a 100 or 60 or 30-fold? Are we going to be those that have evidence 
evidence of our life as believers? Or are we going to be those that say, you know what? I signed a little card. I thought I was good to go. I prayed a little prayer. I thought I had my ticket. That's not Christianity. It may start that way, but it is a life of surrender and following of Jesus Christ that makes a difference between somebody who is religious or somebody who is coming to church on a regular basis, somebody that is truly born again. Let me finish with these words from a fellow by the name of R.J. Utley. He says, notice also that of the four types of soil, three allowed the seed to germinate, but only one allowed fruit-bearing. Salvation involves evidence. Eternal life has observable characteristics. Be careful of an initial response as the only evidence of salvation. The yield may vary, but not the fruitfulness. True salvation is an initial response to the gospel followed by a daily commitment or response. This parable is a warning against easy believism. Easy believism. And the sad thing is, I believe that the church is full of that right now. And I'm not so naive as to not understand that even within our fellowship, How many are of the fourth soil? Oh, I wish I could say every one of you are. But I know that that's not true. You know that that's not true in your own life. But it's only that fourth soil type that I believe is truly born again because they show evidence of that within their lives. My encouragement, my challenge to you, my pleading to you this morning Examine yourself. See if you're truly in the faith or if you're just lying to yourself. But I, oh, I've, I've, I've prayed a prayer. It's a done deal. Really? You think that will stand before Almighty God when we come and stand before Him at the end of our days? We can go all through and we don't have time this morning, the parables of the talents. And again, oh, you know, I, you gave me this and I did this with it. You gave me this and I did this with it. What did you do? I, nothing. I just buried it. What does he do? Cast him out. He's not truly born again. Not truly part of the kingdom. You see, this is an eternal issue. This is an issue that has more weight and more importance than anything you will ever do in your life. Because eternity stands in the balance. Are you truly his? What's the evidence of that? The Word of God says, well, my spirit bears witness with his spirit that I am his child. Does his spirit bear witness with your spirit? Do you have that confirmation that I am his? Oh, I've failed, I've struggled, I'm stumbling. Maybe I'm stumbling right now, but I know that I'm his because I have committed my life wholly and completely to him. Oh, I fall at times. I, 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 I get distracted at times, but I know that I'm his. Please understand, I'm not saying it's a call to perfection in our lives. I am saying that it is a call to commitment and faithfulness in our lives. What direction are you going? Are you pressing into Jesus? Open our hearts, change. 
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word.